Good morning. Good morning. Are you glad you made it to church today? Yes. Real quick, can we just celebrate all the volunteers that we have here at this church that make this place happen? If you're a volunteer here, I just want to say thank you for serving. Thank you for being on a team. Thank you for doing what you do. We, we, we couldn't do it without you. And um, we just want to say, if you're not on a team, you should join one, because that's where the life-changing connection happens. And uh, I say that because we're starting a new series today. And we're starting a new series called I Can Relate, and we're going to be talking about timeless principles of relationships. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about today friendships, but then next week we're going to talk about marriage, and then the week after that we're going to talk about families. Yeah, it's going to be good. So if you are here today, which you are, unless you're online, if you're online, get here next week, okay, or come to the 1030 or the 1159. But I want you to know that I think God is packing something good for you today. Did anybody come for a word from God today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited. My name is James. I'm the next generation pastor at this church, and I'm just excited to get into the word with you. Did you grab a bulletin on your way in? Yes. If you did, on the back, I spent a lot of time making some fill in the blanks for you. If there's a pen in front of you, don't let those bulletins go in vain. I want you to use them. And, um, and we're going to get started. So today we're going to talk about friendships. And I started asking a lot of people, what's your definition of a friend? And a lot of people um, think that they have a pretty good definition of friendship. Some people were saying, you know, a friend is loyal, a, a friend is, is consistent, a friend, you know, never talks badly about me, a friend is somebody I can trust, a friend is somebody that I can rely on, a, a friend is somebody that even when I do something wrong, they still love me for who I am. And I, and, I, and I love the responses, but one of the things that I learned about this is that when it comes to definitions, we have to exclude our values in those definitions because then they just become our own definitions. And there's something important about knowing what is a working definition of friends. And if we're going to talk about friends, we need to start there, right? So let's build a foundation first, and then let's work on it. So I did some studying, and I kind of just mumbo-jumbo uh, combined it between like Urban Dictionary and Merriam-Webster's Dictionary and my dictionary and your definitions. And this is what we came up with. A friend is a bond or a connection between two people exclusive of sexual or family relations. I'm going to say it again. A bond or a connection between two people typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. Why do I say that? Because there is a place for family. There is a place for your spouse. But that is not what I mean when we talk about friendships. And so today we're going to be talking about a bond or a connection between two people exclusive of sexual or family relations. Are you with me, church? Great. So in order for me to start this message out the right way and to feel like I can actually give you something in the time that I have to talk about such a wide subject as friendships, um, let's just talk about the five levels first of friendships. Level number one of a friend is this, a stranger. A stranger is, I don't know you. This is, this is the course of when they become as close as they get, okay? So you start out this way, I don't know you. This is Facebook, right? You come across somebody, I didn't know you existed until I saw you. And then you're like, oh, wow, we have a lot of mutual friends. Let's just be uh, screenagers, is what I would say to the teenagers. Uh, that's a real definition, actually, by the way. Um, and, then, and then there's a level two after the I, I don't know you, and that is 
um, acquaintances. Acquaintances are, I know about you. Now, you might be able to accomplish this by just reading somebody's bio, or maybe you uh, stumbled across something where they talked about a little bit about their family, you know, their kids' names. Maybe you found them on, uh, in the neighborhood, and you walked up, and you said, hey, you have kids, I have kids, um, but you don't really know them. You know, you know about them, but you don't know them. Then there's a level three. A level three is where we get to casual friends. Casual friends is, I know you. At this point, I know your kids' names. I know what you do for a living. I could say that I know a little bit about you. You know a little bit about me. We're pretty close, I guess you could say. A lot of us, we live in level three. A lot of us, we have level three friendships. Um, The next steps are really going to get a little bit more rare, but I think that when I started doing some studying, I learned that one in every five American adults are struggling with loneliness on a regular basis. See, what I've learned is that you can have casual friends but still feel lonely. You could be surrounded by people who know a lot about you, but you're still going through loneliness. Maybe you came here today and you're just hoping that somebody will recognize you and speak to you after the service and I hope that they do. But here's one of the things that I do know. If you want to go from level threes to level fours here within Centerpoint, I know that our mission here is to love and lead people to a life-changing connection with Christ. In order to develop those life-changing relationships, I'm convinced you either have to be on a team or you have to be in a group. Either you need to be serving on a team where you find people that you're actually going to do life with or you find a group, whether that is um, Celebrate Recovery or men's group or women's group or, you know, we have women's Bible studies. We have, um, we have some other different groups. There's so many groups here. Oh, my gosh. I was like, dang, I hope I don't slaughter that one. So you go from level three to level four. And a level four is where you get to close friends, close friends. And close friends is where I understand you. It's not that I just know you. I I know how you tick. I know the things that bug you. I know the things that make you happy. Uh, As Brene Brown would say, I know the things that take the marbles out, and I know the things that put the marbles in. This is where you get to the point where you could say, like, yeah, I, I know you. You know, and we know some people, right? We got some level four friends, but I can tell you this. There is a deeper level of friendship, and it's very rare. You might find one person in your entire life that you find that's a level five friend. We see it only a few times in scripture recorded. A level five is this, it's covenant. Covenant is kindred spirit. It is set up, it is holy, it is divine. Destiny sets you up together. It's like a a Timothy who would hang out outside the jail cell of a Paul and listen to the words of him speaking through the jail cell window and say, there's something about you that I can't do life without you. You have to find at some point along the journey, you have to be, or I should say, you have to be open to finding a level five friend. But make no mistake that not everybody is qualified to be a level five friend in your life. Let's talk a little bit deeper about this. Examples of this would be like a Naomi and a Ruth. You ever read the story of, of, in Ruth where it says that, um, you know, she's devastated, she's lost everything, she's going home, and everybody in the town knows her name, but yet really all she needed was she needed Ruth. Because Ruth said, she said, I'll go where you go. And she said, 
I'll believe what you believe. I'm with you. Where you die, I'll die. It's a level five, friend. It's, a, it's an Elijah and Elijah. It's an Elijah that would walk up to Elijah as he's out with the, with the farmland and he puts his, co- his cloak over him and he walks with him and he mentors him for the next three years to where he washes his feet and his head. This is a level five, friend. It's somebody who's carrying something that you're carrying. When God placed a dream in your heart, level five friends, when you say the dream, they see the vision. Level five friends, when you're grieving, they're grieving. When you're rejoicing, they're rejoicing. So there are different levels to our friendships. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to just draw a circle on your bulletin or somewhere in your phone. If you have one of those fancy Android phones with a pen, that's cool. Draw a circle. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about your five closest friends. We'll call it the inner circle. Do you have five people in your life that you would say are in your inner circle? Now, here's some criteria for this, and I got an example. There's a picture on the screens for you. Is this, here's the criteria. They must be at least a level three, meaning they're, they're not, you, it's not that you don't know them. You're like, Justin Bieber's in my inner circle. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> so you need to find somebody that, or you need to think of those people that are in your inner circle that are at least a level three. So they're not acquaintances. They're at least um, close friends or casual friends or covenant friends, okay? So think of those top five, five people. Some more things about this. No more than five in your circle, and I'll explain to you why later. And I want you to write their names in the circle. So um, by the way, Kyle and Johnny, I know a Kyle and a Johnny, but those were not actually in my top five. I just did that because I didn't want to get anybody upset. So the other three are guaranteed in my circle, mom and dad, Pastor John, and my wife. Uh, so don't be mad at me, mom or dad, or Pastor John, or my wife. But the other two, uh, I'm just going to keep that anonymous. Um, here's some reflective questions for you to be asking yourselves. because, And here's the reason why we're focusing so much on friendships today. Everybody needs a friend, right? The Bible says that it is not good for a man to be alone. And, it, and there's a special place for family and there's a special place for your spouse, but it's not good for you to do life alone. Iron sharpens iron, right? And so we need to find some reflective questions to ask ourselves, what values gain people access into your inner circle? Like, what do I mean by that is like, do, is it, if somebody is trustworthy, do they gain access into your inner circle? Is it when they talk good about you? Is it when that they, you could speak to them in confidence and they don't gossip? What are some of your values that bring people into an inner circle? Next question, what levels are they at in your circle? Every person in your circle is at a different level. So your parents may be at a certain level. Your spouse may be at a certain level. Level, You know, you're your closest friend may be at a certain level, but there's always room for growth, right? And the next question is, what things remove people from your circle? So I want you to think about, what are some of my values that I have that are non-negotiables? If you do this, you are out of my inner circle. If you lie to me, but then you don't admit it, and you keep deflecting and trying to just act like you didn't do anything wrong, you might be outside of my inner circle, I need you to just think about these things because if you don't think about them now, you won't have values in place for when something does happen. And if you don't have things in place when something does happen, you're not going to stop and say, well, let me think about my values. <laughs> this is why it's important to do this now. And the last question is, how do they level up in your circle? 
Do the people that are closest to you know that there's a deeper level to knowing you and that they can grow closer to you if they do these things? I think it's just valuable information for us to reflect on. But let's get into the scriptures for a little bit. So the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I'm going to give you three timeless principles for you to apply today that will help you in regards to friendships. Number one is this. You should be selective. You should be selective. I want to say it again. You should be selective. It's not that I am an inclusive person where I don't want to be friends with you. It's not even that I'm, uh, that I'm even inclusive. I'm just selective. It's not that I'm hateful. It's that I'm faithful, and I know who God has called me to be. I know what I stand against, and I know what I stand for. And so there's an, there's an important value in us knowing that you should be selective with the people you're running with. My mom used to say, you are who you hang out with. And I used to go, I don't really like that because Jesus hung out with everybody, but I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that I learned about this, though, is that Jim Rowan says that you are the, the sum of the five people closest to you. You are the sum of the five people closest to you. So if my friends are lazy, I may be lazy. If my friends have a temper, I may inhabit a temper. If my friends are funny with their money, I'm going to be funny with my money. It's not a guarantee, but the scripture says, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. But if you associate yourselves with fools, you will become a fool. At some point, your friend's wisdom is going to rub off on you. At some point, if you run around with fools, foolishness is going to, that's right, you're smart. Foolishness is going to rub off on you. And so I'm selective of who I associate myself with. I'm selective of who I interact with on a deeper level. I'm selective of who I allow into my inner circle. And some of us are in this room today, and all you needed was this next thing that I'm about to tell you. You don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't have to be friends with everyone. I don't know if it's a stage of life that just young people need to learn. And maybe some of the, uh, the older folks in this room, you're like, yeah, this is very true. And you've already lived past this. But I'm just going to talk to some of the millennials in this room and maybe some of the Xers in this room. Here's the thing about this, though, guys, is that when you're friends with everybody, here's one reason why you should not be friends with everybody. Catch this, guys. If you go wide, you can't go deep. If I'm friends with everyone, all my relationships are level threes, which are what? Casual friendships. That's right. If I have only level threes around me, I am always going to feel like I'm alone. It's like when you, you go to church and you're like, you see someone, and you're like, hey, how you doing? They're like, good. And how are you? Good. And you're like, okay, cool. Check the box. I talked to somebody today other than my screen on my phone. And, and some of us, this is exactly where we're at is that some young people in this room, I have friends that are, you know, going to school here and all that kind of stuff, and some other people, and they're like, man, I'm going to go to San Clemente on Sunday, and then on Tuesday, I'm going to be in Marietta, then by Friday, I'm going to be hanging out with my friends in San Diego, and I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because I got invited to this thing, and you know, I got to go to it, and I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. I think there's a reason why God placed you where he placed you. 
When God created Adam, he placed him in a place, in a garden. And in the garden, he gave him a purpose. And his purpose was to tend to the garden so that when he tended to a garden, eventually he would tend to a wife. God placed you in a place because your purpose is here. And if you're running around trying to entertain other friends and you're going other places, you might just miss your moment. You might just miss that divine appointment that is set up for you. I'm already preaching. But I'm going to give you just a couple of reasons, five reasons why you should not be friends with everybody. Now, disclaimer, asterisk, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't love everybody. Because the Bible says that you should love your neighbor. Love everybody, okay? But it doesn't mean that because I love you, I got to roll with you. Okay, because if I, I know myself, it's not that I don't like you, it's that I know me. And if I roll with you, we're going to get in some trouble. <laughs> but if I roll with you, if I roll with Heather or Season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get closer to Jesus. And so I, I just know that there are certain people that don't belong in my inner circle. Five reasons why you should not be friends with everybody. Number one, if you go wide, you can't go deep which we talked about that, right? If I'm stretching myself so thin, thin that I just, oh, I gotta go to this thing or I gotta go to that or, or I gotta show up to this because I only feel like I'm, I'm a good friend if I'm available or I only feel like I'm a good friend if I'm consistent enough. You will drive yourself crazy. You will drain yourself. I, some of my closest friends don't even live in this digit code. And you know how we keep our friendship up is we just call each other once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks. Uh, I have a friend, his name's Billy, and, and we talk on the phone. In fact, this morning at 5.30 this morning, we're texting each other because we know that we're both preaching this morning. And I said, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying for, your, your, um, for the body that you're preaching to this morning. He said, I'm praying for you as well. So we, we need people that are close with us. But here's the second reason why you should not be friends with everybody. Here's number two. You're known by everyone, but no one knows you. See, if I'm friends with everybody... Everybody knows James. The problem is, is that they're level three friends. No one understands me. They just know me. See, a lot of people are driven to want to be famous, but followers does not equal friendships. And if I'm friends with you and I'm just stretching myself too wide, the problem with that, guys, is that, is that we, we show up to events and we think that that is what meaningful relationships look like. We show up to church and... and if you're not connected to a team, you're not connected to a group, you're just in a room, that's like going to a coffee shop and drinking a coffee surrounded by people, hashtag being an introvert, and you're like, oh, I got my people fixed today. I was, I was with some people today. You didn't talk to anybody. You were just in a room with people. You're like, oh, this was close enough. <laughs> Third reason, the 1824 rule. I made it up. The 1824 rule comes from the scripture that says this. It says, a man of many companions may come to room, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's, let's read that together out loud. Ready, begin. A man of many companions may come to ruin, comma, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I love this scripture because it is point blank, period, very obvious that you should not be friends with everybody because if you are friends with everybody, not everybody has the same values as you. Not everybody has the same boundaries as you. Not everybody believes what you believe. Not everybody's going to respect your calling and your destiny and the way that you're running your household and the way that you, you manage your bills and those kind of things. You need to find people that are close to you that believe in you. 
You need somebody that's got your back. If the Bible says that, that two are better than one for they can stand back to back and conquer, you need somebody who's got your back. You need somebody who says, man, if, if you're going to get into an affair, I'm snatching you out of it. You need somebody who's not going to say, no, nah, it's cool. You could do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. I would rather have one friend who rebukes me and doesn't apologize than 10 fools that tell me I'm right when I'm wrong. I'd rather have people that are in my corner, that are got my back, that if my future son was to get into drugs, they're going to be in his corner and pull him out of it. That if I had my marriage falling apart, they're going to be there to help me save it. We need people that are more like Naomi and Ruth that say, where you go, I'll go. I got your back. I'm with you. I'm praying the devil off of your backside. I'm not just going to be friends with you because of your influence or what you have. I love you for you. I admire you. So we need to follow the 1824 rule. Fourth reason why you should not be friends with everybody and you should be selective is this. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. See, not everybody who is close to you is close to you because they like you. Some people are close to you because they see you as a stepping stool. You are a networking principle. The reason why they are close to you is because of what you have. <laughs> so, so there are four reasons why people might be close to you today. And I, and I just want you to get this, okay? The, the first reason why people may be close to you is this. People are close to you because of what you have. Some people, and this is what we would call opportunists, right? An opportunist is somebody who, it's not that they're for you, and it's not that they are against you, it's that they're for themselves, okay? And, and so as long as you're winning, they're riding with you in the limo. But the moment you lose influence, they discard you like they never even knew you. See, they might be at your job supporting the mission that you have, but they never really believed in the mission. They're just there for the paycheck. See, they may be close to your friends or, or close to you because of the wisdom that you have. They want something from you. It's not that they don't like you. It's just that they're there for themselves. And if they find somebody that has more influence than you do, they'll leave you, which will teach you to not trust people, and you'll be hurt because you let an opportunist into your inner circle. And so the, the way that you can, you can sniff out a wolf catch this, guys, is that if you come up to somebody and you're telling them what's going on in your life and they don't seem sad when you're sad, shut your mouth and keep your history to yourself. Because if they ain't weeping when you're weeping and they ain't rejoicing when you're rejoicing, they ain't really for you. They're just for what you have. So you need to be able to say, mm, mm -mm. I'm going to keep this one to myself. I'm going to keep on moving. Some people, they just like to ask, they say, oh, like, how can I pray for you? They're just nosy. They just want to know what's going on. I keep your prayers to yourself, opportunists. I don't want your prayers. I want somebody who's really going to pray the devil off my back. A second sub-reason to this is people are close to you because of what you're against. Some people will, will ride with you when a cause or an issue arises in our nation, and it will cause two people that would never actually support one another or stand together will come together for a cause. But the important thing about this is that that's not a real friendship. That's just two people standing together. It's because of what you stand against that they are with you. So the moment that this issue is resolved, they will no longer stand with you. They will abandon you. And some of us, we, we just think, oh, wow, like we grew really close when this issue or this drama arose. And it's not that they like you. It's just that they recognize that there's an issue that they stand against and you stand against it. And when they lock arms, they're stronger. The third reason why you should... Uh, Recognize sheep's in wolf's clothing, wolves in sheep's clothing, okay, 
is this. People are close to you because of what you're for. Maybe you stand for something and you post something on Facebook or Instagram or, or you talk about something politically and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I like you because of what you're for. And the fourth reason is people are close to you because they admire you. Yes, there's a real reason why people are actually close to you. It's when they, uh, they actually like you. They're actually like, okay, like, I actually like Heather. I'm going to roll with Heather. And, uh, and so you're going to find some people that are close to you for those reasons, but these are some good reasons. And a fifth reason, if four reasons is not enough for why you should not be friends with everybody, is this. Jesus didn't do it. If, if the other four were good enough for you, the fifth one should be the banger, right? Jesus didn't even do it. Jesus was not friends with everybody. Jesus loved everybody, but Jesus understood something. Catch this, guys. When you read the Gospel of Luke or you read the Gospel of John or, or Gospel of Mark or Gospel of Matthew, you'll notice that they, they talk about the sizes of groups that surrounded Jesus. There was the great multitude which is, if I, if I could draw, I wish I had like a bunch of bubble heads, right? Just like boop, 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 the great multitude. And then there was a smaller group, and that was the crowds. So the crowds, there was either 5,000 or 120. And then the 120 turned into 12, which was the disciples. And then the 12 turned into three, which was Peter, James, and John. This is like small group leaning 101. And then there was the one. There was John, the one whom he loved the most. Even Jesus was not telling everybody the same thing. He would say something to the great multitudes on the beach, and the disciples would be like, yeah, that's right. And then they get in private, and he'd be like, what did you mean by that? I don't, how do you get that? What were you talking about? He was like, he's like, oh, okay, let me explain it to you real, real simple for you. But Jesus didn't tell everybody the same thing. Why is that important? Your marriage problems, Facebook doesn't need to know about. Yeah, your, your problems with your husband or problems with your kid is not for everybody to know about. In fact, that is not what vulnerability looks like. That is unhealthy vulnerability. When you go, oh, I just got to put it out there for somebody. No, you need to know who your five inner circle friends are. You got to know who your inner people are that are saying, no, 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 I'm riding with you through this. And the second reason why we should, or ugh, the second principle that you should have is this. Value quality over quantity. And, and I'm going to support this by showing you a video. So catch this visual learners. The most important tool at our disposal for living a better life is other people. The people we surround ourselves with are the biggest influence on our behavior, attitudes, and results. Who you are around, what they've got you thinking, saying, doing, and becoming sets the course of your life. In the words of motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The people you spend the most time with shape who you are. They determine what conversations dominate your attention. They affect which attitudes and behaviors you are regularly exposed. Eventually, you start to think like they think and behave like they behave. As Darren Hardy writes in The Compound Effect. According to research by social psychologist Dr. David McClelland of Harvard, the people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. That's huge, and it has important consequences. The dream in your heart may be bigger than the environment in which you find yourself. 
Sometimes you have to get out of that environment to see that dream fulfilled. You know, there's a passage of scripture, and I didn't talk about this last night, but in John chapter 5, you know, there's that man who's lame, who's lame by the pool of Bethesda, and he's been there for 38 years, and Jesus walks up to him and he says, would you like to be made well today? And he says, of course I would, but I can't because every time I try to get into the water, somebody else always gets in in front of me. And the, and the pool is surrounded by all these different porches with different types of people, but they all had something in common. They all had a limitation. They all were either sick or blind or paralyzed or lame, or they had leprosy, or they were just sick with the dysfunction and a limitation that was against them. And so all these people were there, and this man had been there for 38 years. His five closest friends were there in that porch with him. See, when you surround yourself with people who are as limited as you, they will compete with you rather than complete you. And you will find yourself with people. That's why the scripture says, walk with the wise and you will become wise. In other words, find somebody who's not even on the same level as you. Because if you don't, people will will push past you to get what you want. But you need to find somebody who already has what you want and so they can feed you, right? Rather than than just uh, trying to compete with each other. So, Here's some important things about this. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this when it comes to value quality over quantity. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I'm going to repeat that again because it might have went over our heads. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. In other words, I would rather have one friend tell me that I'm wrong than 10 friends tell me that I'm right. I would rather have one friend who is not afraid to sit me down, look me in my eyes, and tell me I'm wrong, and not apologize for it, because they know me. See, you need to find people in your life that can look past your mistakes and see you for who God called you to be. And there's some seven uh, questions that I think you can ask yourselves to determine whether the friends that are in your life that you're spending a lot of time with are actually quality friends. And the first question you should be asking is this. On the back of your bulletin, you can write this down. What's the nature of this friendship, self-indulgence or God's purpose? When I'm with you, is it all about me just feeling good about myself? Is it all about me? Is, it, is this self-indulging or is this self-sacrificial? Is this for my kingdom or for his kingdom? Is this pointing me closer to do the things that I would want in my flesh or closer to pushing me towards the things that Jesus wants in my spirit? The second question is this, do I leave empty or do I leave full? Some of our relationships right now where people are like, yeah, you're my closest friend. You're like, that's cool. You're, I'm in your circle, but you're not in my circle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that, though? Like, you get around them, and they're just like, they leave full every single time. But what about you? Is it one way, or is it transactional? Is it a quality friend that you would say, yeah, okay, maybe you are consistent, and I'm meeting with you on a regular basis, but this is definitely all about you. Am I feeding you, or are you also feeding me? Is iron sharpening iron? Or is it just one-sided? See, I... I think that this is a real question that we should ask ourselves. The third question is this, is there accountability? When I'm with you, is it just like everything can fly, everything's cool, doesn't matter what you say. If you get out of hand, I'm not gonna say nothing. I think that there needs to be accountability. I think true friendship has accountability. I think, I think foolishness is what Proverbs refers to as friends without accountability. Uh, fourth step is this, or fourth question, can I trust this person? 
Here's a, here's a way that you can test whether you can trust the person that you're talking to. Are they talking about other people when they're with you? Because if they're talking about other people when they're with you, chances are they're talking about you when they're with other people. So you need to find people who have appropriate disclosure. You need to find people who will seal their lips. You need to find people that when something ridiculous happens and you were both witnesses of it and you are allowed to talk about it, you still don't talk about it. They're like, well, you know, can you believe what happened? They're like, well, maybe they had a bad day. Let's pray for them. Rather than gossip about them, let's pray for them, right? Fifth question is this. Does this person respect what I value? Do they respect my marriage? Do they respect uh, my emotional health and well-being? Do they respect my family? Do they respect my commitments, my responsibilities, my job? Do they respect my relationship with Jesus? When I'm with them, are they just trying to discard the things that I value? Because then that is a one-sided friendship. That's not a quality relationship that you should want in your inner circle. The sixth question is, can I be myself or do I compromise for the sake of the relationship? When I'm with you, am I having to bend my principles? Am I having to bend the things that I know are wrong, but I do it anyway because we've been long friends for a long time? Guys, some of your friendships, they need to die. Some of our friendships, just because you were friends in high school and you made it into this life stage, does not mean they need to be friends in this season. Some people can't go with you into the next season of your life. There's a reason why they don't seem to care about what's going on in your family. There's a reason why, because they're still stuck in a previous season, and if you are dragging them with you into the next season, you are carrying dead weight with you, and God wants you to travel far, and you can only travel far if you carry less. And the seventh question that you should be asking yourself is this, do I feel refreshed and strengthened? When I leave you, do I feel icky? You know what I mean by that? Like, do I just feel gross? Like, after we get done hanging out and after, like, I, you know, I get home and the next time I'm just, like, sitting in God's presence or I'm praying or I'm just, like, with my wife, do I just feel like there's certain things I got to keep out that happen? Are there certain things that I just, it's just not appropriate? If there are certain things that are not appropriate, you should confront it and fix it. Maybe there is a friend in your life that, that you just need to bring, uh, bring accountability to, and you might be able to actually restore that relationship, but there are certain relationships where people are just not going to change. And the scriptures talk about that. If you convince a fool, you will have a fool for a friend. So we should be cautious about the people that we're going, okay, that's a red flag or that's a yellow flag. Okay, and then the third reason why, guys, is this. You need to see God through the eyes of relationship, not religion. When it comes to friendships, guys, the scripture that I talked about when I got on the platform was John 15, verse 15, that says this, I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in a slave, but now I call you my friends. And I chose you and appointed you to bear lasting fruit. I think there's something valuable here for some of us in the room that you don't see God as a friend. And in fact, the scripture actually says In John 10, 30, it says, Jesus says this, he says, I and the Father are one. So if you have a close relationship with your heavenly Father, you also have the ability to have a close relationship with Jesus. (laughs) And 
And so I, I just want you to know this. So when you are reading the scriptures and you see the type of friend that Jesus was, I want you to know that that relationship is available for you today. That you can walk out of this place knowing, like what in your mind is the qualities of the greatest friend possible? And I want you to know that Jesus will trump it. Jesus is better than that. And, and, And so whatever you think is what is valuable for friendships, whether that is they're trustworthy, whether they're consistent, whether they never fail, they're relentless, they're, they take initiative, they're, they're quiet when you need to vent, they speak up when you have no words for yourself, they defend you when somebody stands against you, God will always do those things for you. God is the best friend that you could ever have. But make no mistake of it, just because you are friends with God does not mean that you should get comfortable does not mean that you should not also see him as the way that Colossians describes God as supreme ruler, power, authority, dominion, and and all of that is his. But at the same time, God wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with all of us. And and some of us, we, we are so convinced of just that going to church equals relationship with God. It does not equal relationship with God. I can show up at the same coffee shop as somebody and be in the same room with someone and never talk to them. That does not make them my friend. That does not mean that he knows what is going on. Sure, he knows because he knows all things, but God wants you to sit down with him and talk to him. I know that some of us, we're like, oh, no, I could never do that. Pastor James, you don't understand what's going on in my life right now. I've made some mistakes. God is like, cool, I already forgave you and died on the cross before you were even alive to sin. And I still love you. And I'm still for you. And the words that I have spoken over you, I blotted it out. It is permanent. It will never return void. My promises will never fail. I'm always going to be here for you. You just have to trust me. Man, some of us, we, we are just friends with ourselves. Because we're just like, all I need is me. And I want you to know that it is a lonely place. God wants to be walking with you. The scripture actually talks about this. And this is, I guess, where I'm going to close. Is that, you know, there's the Garden of Gethsemane. And you guys know the story, right? When Jesus is with his his disciples or his friends and he's about to go to the cross. It's the night before he's arrested, and Judas has already left him. You know, Judas is on his way to get some, some, get some, some uh, bitcoins. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Okay, but he's on his way to get some coins, and Jesus is with the other eight and the other three, and he's got his group with him, and he says to them, he says, hey, stay here what, while I go over here. So he leaves some of them as far as he can take them. But then he takes Peter, James, and John, and he says, listen, 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 I need you to just stay awake with me. Keep watch over me. He says, my soul is at the point of crushing and breaking. He didn't say that to everyone. He just said that to the three. He said it to his inner circle. He didn't say it on Facebook. He didn't say it for everybody to read in an email or in a text, a group text thread. Instead, he, he stopped where he could with the people he had, and he took three with him further, and he says, just stay here with me awake. But then, catch this, he left the three there, and he went to deal with the problem with his father. And Jesus says, 
I and the Father are one. The way that you can go to your Father about your problems, you can also come to me about those problems. But, but what you talk about with me in secret does not need to be discussed with the other eight or the other three or even the one because there are certain things that are only between you and your heavenly father. And I just needed you to have permission to know that because some of you feel like you're maybe manipulated or feeling shame because somebody's like, well, you didn't tell me that was going on. That's because that business is between me and my father. And you don't need to know about all the mess. In fact, I'm saving you a long night. But I know that my heavenly father wants to reward me of the things that I talk about him in secret. And so some of us, man, I just want to challenge you today. Choose your inner circle properly. Be careful the people that you allow in. Don't just be friends with everybody who wants to be friends with you. Sure, there is something about you. There is God's presence and God's glory and anointing is on you. Of course people want to be friends with you. When they, you get around them, they can't help but smile because joy's all over you. Peace is all over you. So you get into the room, they're like, man, I got to roll with this guy. Well, walk with the wise and you will become wise. Hang around with fools and you'll get into foolishness. Did you guys receive something from this word today? Listen. It's not just good enough for you, though, to take the principles of this word and just leave it in a notepad and never actually apply it. So I really, really want to challenge you to do this. If you are not serving on a team or you are not serving in a group, maybe what you just need to do is you need to go take the CP 101 tour or you need to go over to the blue tables and you need to just let somebody know that, hey, like I need to like do something. I need to be connected with people. I need to start some meaningful relationships. Your group will become your support system. Your team is gonna text you when you don't show up. Your team knows where to find you when you are the wilderness of your strongholds, like a Jonathan to a David. When Saul couldn't find him, Jonathan knew where David was. Would you pray with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that today is the opportunity for you to, to not be introduced into religion, but to be introduced into a personal relationship that you have the opportunity today, no matter what the scorecard looks like, you have the opportunity to start a relationship with him, with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, it's very simple. All I'm gonna ask you to do is just to raise your hand. We're gonna say a prayer and we're gonna raise our hands after and we're gonna celebrate for those who gave their life to the Lord. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus, let's pray together right now. Repeat this after me if you feel the prompting to welcome Jesus into your inner circle. Jesus, I give my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and for what I've done wrong. I've pushed you away from being in my inner circle, but now I invite you in. I ask that you would forgive me and that you would walk with me. Truly, I want to know you as the friend who is closer than a brother. Truly, I want to belong with you. I trust you with everything. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. 
If you just said that prayer, would you just shoot your hand up in the air right now so I can celebrate with you? Wonderful, I see your hand back here, ma'am. Another hand over here. Come on, church, we could celebrate for people who are raising their hands right now. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? That's powerful. Well, church, I want to just bless you with a closing prayer, and I want to bless you to go on your way. So let's pray one more time for you who came in here. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for this family, this body, that there's going to be growing relationships, that there are certain people that need to be pushed out of our inner circles and certain people that need to be welcomed in. God, I ask that you would give every single one of us holy confidence to have vulnerable conversations with the people that we need to. I ask you that you would um, begin to do an inner working in us, Holy Spirit, to trust again to trust again, to rebuild trust with broken relationships, to trust people who say that they are there for us. God, would you give us wisdom to pick the right friends, that we would be better than we were without them. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would give us strength, Lord, to continue to fight for those relationships, that we wouldn't give up on the ones that are meaningful. God, you entrusted us, Lord, with level threes, level fours, and level five friendships. May we not abandon the inheritance and the richness of the relationships that we have, and for those of us who are not serving on a team or not serving in a group, I empower you and bless you to go and get off the bench and get in a team where people will, 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 will walk with you through life and will celebrate with you towards life-changing connections with Christ. And the church said, amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing weekend.